Welcome to another episode of Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today we have the privilege of hearing from a staff member who covers both domestic and international projects. I have Caitlin Lum in the studio with me today. Caitlin serves as the Media Relations Manager in Communications. She has worked for Samaritan's Purse for four years and is often first on the ground after disasters, working hand-in-hand with our response teams to tell the story of what Samaritan's Purse is doing. In 2019 alone, she has traveled to DRC to cover the Ebola response, Mozambique after Cyclone Idai, Colombia in the midst of the migration crisis, and Ohio after record-breaking tornadoes. In addition to media relations, Caitlin often writes for the web and print publications. And I have gotten to know Caitlin well, as she also works behind the scenes on this podcast. Thank you, Caitlin, for flipping roles today from writing to sharing your stories with the audience. Thanks for having me today. So as you know, I always like to hear how someone was led to work with Samaritan's Purse. Can you tell us how you were led here? Yeah, I came to Samaritan's Purse right after college. And when I was a senior and I was thinking, how am I going to use my degree? I majored in public relations, and I just really felt like I wanted to do it somewhere where I was passionate about the work, where I wasn't just promoting something that I went home at the end of the day and could care less Mm -hmm. whether the word really got out. So I was researching ministries, researching different nonprofits, and really knew of Samaritan's Purse, connected with the mission and the heart of Samaritan's Purse. And as soon as I read the job description for the media relations coordinator, which is how I started here, I was like, that's why I majored in public Mm -hmm. relations. That's the job right there. Uh, That is what my whole path and life has been leading up to. Hmm. So I applied from there, and now I'm here. That's awesome. So... As you know, we have, what, 70, over 70 interns here this summer with Samaritan's Purse. So um, since you came right out of college, I thought maybe you could give some advice to people either just starting their careers or finishing up school. Um, You came right into Samaritan's Purse, as you said, um, right out of graduation. So tell us, what advice would you give to people starting in their careers? Yeah, I think two pieces of advice that I would give is pursue your passions and also be patient. Mm -hmm. Two things that... I wasn't super great at. Um, I was convinced that I had to graduate college with a job waiting on me. Um, So I was applying and applying to all of these different places. And I'd applied to Samaritan's Purse, but in in the waiting and in the interview process, I was applying a lot of different places as well. And I can remember doing interviews with companies that I would have hated every day going to work. It was not anything that I that I cared about, but I just wanted that assurance Mm -hmm. of a job after graduation. Um, Luckily, the Lord was really faithful and closed doors uh, to things that I might have accepted in that waiting process because I was not patient. Uh, I wanted that job. And then during exam week of senior year, Samaritan's Purse called back and offered the job. So it was just such um, such a relief, but also a reminder that the Lord is in control and His timing is perfect. So Pursue where your heart is and be patient in that process. Mm. That's good. I was actually just wait, reading about waiting this morning and just how we need to wait on the Lord, and He does it in His own timing. Um, so what drew you to media relations? What led you there? Yeah, it was actually a little bit of a long process. Um, I changed my major three times in college, so I started out in business, switched to child development, and then finally switched to public relations. Um, I actually did a summer job which looking back, I see how that was specifically preparing me for the role that I do now. At the time, it was just 
a summer job that felt like the right thing to do, and I couldn't see kind of the end of the tunnel and that that was a piece of the puzzle that the Lord was putting together. Um, So that summer job, it was a communications role, and I loved it. I loved working with media. I loved writing for their website. I loved the communication aspect that it had. And I came back from that job and said, I've got to change my major. This is the start of junior year, so it's not a great time to Mm -hmm. completely switch uh, the path that you're on. But I knew that that's what I was called to do. Um, And as soon as I got into those classes that semester, it was just complete peace of this is right. And then as I applied for Samaritan's Purse, I saw distinct ways that that role uh, led to the current job that I'm in now. So that leads me to my next question. Um, Many people are unfamiliar with communications and media relations within an organization. So can you tell us what that looks like and what your job is all about? Yeah, communications has the honor of supporting pretty much every other department within the ministry. So we work with World Medical Mission, with International Disaster Relief, with U.S. Disaster Relief, with the country offices around the world. Uh, We get to tell the story of what God is doing through Samaritan's Purse here in the U.S. and around the world. And so what have you learned through this job and through interviewing people during the disaster responses? Yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned that continues to stick out to me and continues to be at the forefront of my mind on different disaster responses and different places that I go is the phrase, people over product. Hmm. So I went to Ecuador in April of 2016 for the earthquake response. And I can remember interviewing patients at the emergency field hospital that we set up there. And it was my first time on a disaster assistance response with Samaritan's Purse. So I went into it with a list of, okay, I need to accomplish this. I need to get this done. This is number one priority. This is number two. I was both working with external media, writing for the web, So in all of those to-dos, it was so easy to get focused on the accomplishments, on the product. And I can remember so distinctly when the Holy Spirit was just like, Caitlin, it's people over product. If you put the people first, then I will give you the product. Hmm. And I think it's easy to have these expectations of the stories we want to tell or the way that we think it's going to all check out in the end. But if we can just hold our expectations with open hands and hold them loosely and trust God to give us the final product, then the story he is writing is so much better than the one that I had in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So every time the to-do list seems long or the checklist is overwhelming, I continue to go back to that of people over product. I love that. And I'm sure as you're talking about this, I'm sure you have a lot of hard stories and you've seen a lot of difficult things in your job. Um, You fly into crisis situations. How do you deal with that? You mentioned a little bit, but how do you do that? Well, I'm not an expert at it at all. Um, Each response is different. And I think each one kind of hits you in a different way. Some Mm -hmm. of them are a lot easier to transition back from, and some of them take a little bit more time. Um, But the number one thing that I've learned is that I can't carry it and that God didn't ask me to carry it. Mm. That hearing people's hard stories and walking with them through tragedy and being there with them, that that's not my burden to bear. That I can't fix it all. Um, I can't do anything without Him. So just to release the pressure of, of carrying their stories and giving them back to God. 
And how do you how do you keep energized? How do you keep? I mean, you travel. You've come back before from a long trip across the world and come back to work. How do you travel or handle jet lag? Just the bouncing back to your real world here, bringing those stories, like you said. How do you do that? Yeah, I think it looks a little bit different every time, depending on where I've gone, how long the trip was. Um, I've learned that when I come back, I just need a little bit of time to decompress by myself with mm-hmm. the Lord. Just have some quiet time. Maybe that's a day. Maybe that's a couple of days before I dive back into kind of the regular workflow of things. Um, My friends, my family, kind of my support system here is so understanding and knowing that sometimes I might want to dive back into going to small group, but I might just sit there quietly in the corner and not be ready to really talk or process things. Um, So each one is different. I think a lot of it also depends on the pace that we keep in the field. Sometimes it's go, go, go from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Um, so those trips are a little need a little more time to kind of process what you saw and the stories that you heard and the people that you met. Um, and it, it's always different, but the Lord has been faithful through it all. And I think, I think it's because I feel so called to do this mm-hmm. that I know that He will sustain me in all of it, in what He's asked me to do. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's so important that people know about what God is doing through Samaritan's Purse? You know, I think that we can give statistics and we can tell the big picture over and over again, but it isn't until you hear the personal story of the individual who was impacted by the work that it really connects with your heart. So I always say that people connect with people. So if we can tell them the story of a widow who now has a place to live or of someone whose home burned down in the wildfires, and now we were able to salvage a few of their personal belongings. When we can tell those individual stories, that's when people connect to it. That's when people get behind the work and pray and support and stand with us as we go around the world. Mm-hmm. So we've wanted you to share for many reasons, but the biggest is, you—you you, like we said, you've gotten to work domestically and internationally. Would you be able to tell us maybe a favorite story from both um, fields that you've done with Samaritan's Purse? Yeah, I think one of the ones that stands out to me here in the U.S. was in California after the wildfires. And the sweet homeowner, um, she was a widow. Her home completely burned down. So you go to these homes and they're just a pile of ashes. Nothing's left. And... It's discouraging. You Mm -hmm. see it and you think, how are we going to find anything in this mess that's worth saving? And the volunteers get to work and they slowly start sifting corner by corner, just methodically working their way through the ashes. And you never know. Sometimes you don't find anything, um, but they continue to sift, continue to work. Mm. And I was at this lady's house when all of a sudden the volunteers found a pair of dog tags that had survived the fire. Mm. And they carry him over to the homeowner as I'm standing there with her. And they're like, we found these dog tags. Do these mean anything to you? They survived. And she just broke down in tears as she realized that these were her husband's dog tags. He had passed away. They were one of the things that she treasured the most of his. And she said, now I finally have something that I can remember him by. Mm -hmm. And that moment of closure for her was something that you couldn't put a price tag on. Mm -hmm. And the dog tags didn't have monetary worth, Mm -hmm. but to her, they meant the world. So seeing moments like that and walking with families through that experience um, has been life-changing to me as well. 
I can't imagine. Um, can you share a, a story from the international travels as well of a time where you've yeah. seen the Lord tell a big story like that? Yeah. One of the ones that sticks out to me the most was in Iraq at the emergency field hospital. And you had Matt Nowry on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and he made the comment that everyone who spent time there walked away changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would definitely agree with that. And I can remember sitting by a lady's bedside and I was interviewing her. I was speaking with her, just kind of encouraging her. And she had been um, in a bombing and her face was just covered in scars and her right eye was swollen shut and there was dried blood on her face and pus coming out of her eye. And it was uh, really a horrific sight of what she had been through. And she grabbed my hand, and she put it up on her face, and she said, am I still beautiful? Mm. And both of us just broke down into tears at that comment of, am I still beautiful? And in that moment, I can only say that God gave me the words to say because I'm not medical. I'm a little squeamish at blood and things like that. But in that moment, with my hand pressed up against her face— She was beautiful, and I was able to just encourage her and speak truth and speak life over her and read scripture over her that, yes, she is still beautiful because she is made in God's image and because He calls her beautiful. And being there in that moment was such an honor. And I think think that's a big part of what makes telling the stories of what God is doing around the world so powerful is that we get to meet people in their worst. We meet them when they're walking through the struggles. We meet them when their home just burned to the ground, when they've escaped their city because a war is going on, when their home just was torn apart by a cyclone. We get to come alongside them in their worst moments and share the gospel and speak truth and speak life over them. So it's always an honor that they let us into those stories. Mm. I always wonder would I let somebody into that story if this is what I was going through, if this Mm -hmm. is what my life looked like? So I never want to take for granted the fact that they invite us in Mm -hmm. and that they cry with us and they tell us exactly what's on their heart and they tell us the impact of what Samaritan's Purse has done for them. Hmm. That's a good point. Um, And I know oftentimes you meet people and you don't get to see them again. Have you ever gotten to go back and see them as they've risen? Or is it mostly a time in crisis? Most of the time it is in crisis. Um, We do get to hear the stories sometimes of kind of the end result Mm -hmm. with U.S. disaster relief. They often will do rebuilds after the disaster phase is over. So even going back to a town, even if it's not the same family that maybe you connected to specifically, Mm -hmm. but just going back and seeing the town start to rebuild and get back on their feet and hearing the stories of families who received a new home is kind of closure to the tragedy that you saw there. Mm -hmm. So your most recent trip was on the ground in Mozambique after Cyclone Edai. What stands out to you most from that trip? I think I came home from that trip just uh, overwhelmed with the sense of gratitude that the families in Mozambique had for what we in the U.S. would consider pretty small Uh, So we were at a TARP distribution and giving emergency shelter materials to families. And one of the beneficiaries invited us back to her home to meet her kids, meet her family. Mm. 
So we were able to go back with her to her house, and she had told me at the distribution, she said, I'm just so thankful that my family's okay, and you know, one room of my house is still standing. I'm so thankful for that one room. So we're traveling there, we're walking with her to her house, and when we get there, it is nothing that we would consider one room. If that's what my house looked like after a cyclone, I wouldn't be telling you that I was thankful Mm -hmm. that part of it survived. It was essentially just kind of sticks leaning together and a piece of tin that had clearly blown off that was put back on top of the roof. Uh, There were no side walls to the house. It was all open. And it was in the middle of a rice paddy. So it was just in the middle of nowhere. And she was still thankful for it. So then we give her this, this tarp for shelter. And she just kept thanking us over and over again of how this tarp was going to change her life. And it just impacted me. And if I received a tarp, and if that's what my home looked like, would I be that thankful for it? Probably mm-hmm. not. I would probably be saying, but there's so much need. There's so much more that needs to be done. Yet mm-hmm. she was so thankful and just filled with gratitude for what our teams had done. Um, so it was just a reminder of, one, how blessed we are mm-hmm. where we live and um, the resources that we have access to, and also to be thankful for the small things, mm-hmm. that they can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of Sammy's comment of suffering as the uh, the medicine or the vitamin to the church, yeah. you know. And I think we don't understand here what it's like to have nothing right. and to be grateful for something so small. So you kind of mentioned it, but that that makes me think of how has the traveling and seeing this changed your life back home? And I know you you touched on that a little bit by being thankful for the little things, mm-hmm. but how does it make you see and do your job differently? Um, sometimes you hear people say. I left a little bit of my heart in Mm. Mozambique, or I left a little bit of my heart in California, wherever it is that you've traveled to. And I kind of thought about those words and thought about what that means. And I think for me, it's, it is a a little bit of your heart does stay with those people. I understand Mm -hmm. kind of the saying, what people mean, but also it's a little bit of the chiseling away of Mm -hmm. self. Um, So I think... I left a little bit of myself in Mozambique, but it was the part that wasn't glorifying to God. It was a little bit of a rougher edge of a way that he wanted to continue to mold me and shape me. So I feel like every time that I go and that I meet these people and I meet God in a new way, he's continuing to shape me and mold me a little bit more. And that's kind of my prayer and my heart that as I continue to go and as I continue uh, to have the honor of sitting with people in their worst times, mm-hmm. that God will continue to chip away and to mold the parts of me and the parts of my heart that are not glorifying to Him. Um, so I like to think I left a little bit of myself in all of those places mm-hmm. um, because God is continuing to shape me and mold me. Hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. So. Going off that, is there a particular scripture that keeps you motivated or something you, you cling to? Or Yeah, there are a couple of different scriptures that I tend to go back to, especially um, in times of busy seasons and lots of travel and uh, disasters and seeing a lot of tragedy. And one of them is Psalm 139, which even before I worked at Samaritan's Purse, uh, 
through a mini series of events, I felt like the Lord was giving me this uh, chapter as kind of a life chapter. And then on a particularly difficult deployment, he brought me back to it. And it says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything I do, you know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And as I travel and as I rest at home and as I speak with media and do spokesperson trainings, uh, he knows my words before I say them. Mm -hmm. He sees me, whether it's here in Boone, North Carolina, or whether it's on the other side of the world. And this chapter, Psalm 139, has continued to be an encouragement and a place that I always circle back to. Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. Um, and I think in the media, it's probably hard because you do have to be careful with what you say and, and really think before. And as I said, I was reading about waiting. I was reading in Leviticus 8 this morning about the ordination of Aaron and his sons and how it was so methodical, you know, and the Lord told them to wait seven days. Um, he said it twice. Do not leave the entrance of the tent meeting for seven days. He says it again in verse 35. You must stay at the entrance in the tent of meeting for seven days to do what the Lord requires. The end, verse 36 says, so Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. And I love how you said that because it is important that we do what the Lord asks and we ask him to work in our hearts and we don't go ahead of him and so I think in the media role, that probably is um, you feel a responsibility and you feel a weight speaking on behalf of the ministry. So I appreciate you sharing your heart, and I think it is so important that we do all that the Lord commands of us. Um, as we close, is there something that the audience can be praying? Um, I know you mentioned Mozambique. We've been praying about that. Are there any updates or anything that we can pray specifically for your team? I think one of the ways that you can continue to pray for the communications team is that we will continue to keep the people first, that it is people over product. And if we put the people first, we can trust that God will bring the product and will tell the story that he wants to tell. Thank you, Caitlin, so much for sharing your heart and your story. Um, and thank you, audience, for listening today. Please be praying, as she said, um, just for the people that we are reaching, that the Lord is allowing us to um, go into the mess with. And thank you, Caitlin, for sharing that um, vulnerability. Please hit subscribe in your podcast app so you can continue to hear how God is working in and through Samaritan's Purse. And thank you for tuning in and thank you for praying. As Caitlin said, this is God's ministry and we are just His hands and feet and servants. So continue to pray for those that are being sent. Thank you. Thank you.